Ag State of Mind, episode 64. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings all. Thank you again for joining us on the Ag State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and we are a proud member of the Global Ag Network. Uh, Today, I am joined by my friend Wyatt Mary of Texoma, Oklahoma. Wyatt actually reached out to me on Twitter, and he asked to be a guest on the podcast. And uh, of course, I can't turn that kind of request down. So we talk a little bit about his family history, about what he is doing. Uh, It's really remarkable, Wyatt. Uh, talking to him is like talking to an adult, but he is a 16-year-old uh, kid, and uh, I, I would never know it just talking to him on the phone, and uh, he really has his stuff together, has his plans together. He knows more about farming than I'd say a lot of the people that I know uh, who are my age, so it was really refreshing to talk to him and you know, know that the future of agriculture is in good hands, so um just a little bit about my week. I tested positive for COVID-19 this week. So uh, I am I'm on quarantine, but I am doing things around the house. I'm actually not feeling terrible. Um, it comes in waves. So uh, um, I appreciate any prayers for my family that you all could give us. Uh, it's kind of going making its way through our house. So uh, all right, here is my episode with Wyatt Mary. All right, White Mary, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you tonight, Hi, friend? Doing well. How are you? Um, I'm great. Uh, we, you, and I have connected over Twitter and had some really positive interactions there. So, uh, why don't you let everybody know about you, about your farm, and about your operation, and we'll go. We'll take it from there. So, I'm White Mary. I am a 16 year old third generation farmer. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure uh, we're third generation farmers. Uh, we raise cattle, wheat, and uh, going to be incorporating some Milo here in this next spring, actually. So we farm in Texas, Oklahoma, run about 200 head of mama cows and calves. We've been solely set on a cattle operation and 500 acres of farm ground to the side of that. Uh, and uh, that's all about me. I'm a high school student, junior in high school, graduate next year. Awesome, man. So tell me, what's what... First of all, I'm going to ask this. Tell me about Milo. I'm not super familiar with that. We don't grow a lot. I mean, we don't grow crops around here much at all. So tell me about Milo. What is Milo? Uh, Milo is a sorghum-based crop. It is used to make popcorn. Uh, Fun fact, I didn't even know it was used to make popcorn until here a few months ago. So uh, pretty interesting to learn that it's uh, used to make popcorn and everything like that. So was uh, glad to learn about that, and uh, it's 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 a very itchy crop. It really is. Uh, most guys that grow it around here probably know what I'm talking about. I don't know what about it, but it's a real itchy crop. Just gets on you, and makes you itchy. Yes. Oh yes. It's huh. I you know we just don't. I know a lot of guys grow it now. Is it is it a more drought tolerant crop? 
Yes, it is a more drought tolerant crop along with cotton. Most people grow cotton and if you don't want to grow cotton, there is another option to grow grain sorghum. Gotcha. And uh, so we're going to try and get some of that incorporated into our program this next spring. Okay, so you this is going to be a first time deal for you then? Yes, first time deal doing it. Very cool. Well, very cool. I mean, that's how you evolve, right? That's how you make things go to the next level is you incorporate new things. Yes. And change up uh, farming practices because, you know, for as long as we've been farming, we've been just going in and every year plowing the soil and planting a crop. I'm trying to incorporate no-till and everything like that because it's one way to keep nutrients in the ground and uh, save some of that moisture if you can get a control on your weeds and just about everything. Yeah, you know, I hear it, it, that's a big thing going now, and as it should be, uh, people talking about soil health, talking uh, lots of people talking about new practices and such. Um, again, we talked about it just a second ago. That's how you yeah. evolve is you incorporate new practices and they uh, hopefully help you out. And if nothing else helps you learn about helps you learn about yourself and grow. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's something, you know, where we've never done before. We just, like say, continue every year, plow the soil, plant the crop. Well, why not change it up a little bit and do no-till, maybe try and get a control on our weeds and make it where we're not plowing as much, get the input cost down, where we're only having to go across the ground once instead of, you know, twice where you have to plow it, then plant it. Tell me, yeah, so tell me about, tell me a little bit more about no-till. What, how does no-till differ from uh, you know, traditional cultivation? So no-till is where, you know, you're basically going in and planting into whatever is there, it, whether it be wheat stubble, milo stubble, or whatever. You're just going in and planting right into that, not even turning the soil over to clear that out. You go and do no-till you're just planting into whatever's there and you know at that rate you're probably there's going to be moisture down there for that crop to get a start where as you're plowing it you're taking the moisture up out of the ground and whenever you're doing that it's not going to have a full benefit on for your crop to you know say to get down in there and grow like it needs to be so as in if you're no-tilling you have your weeds under control uh you can actually probably raise something and out here no-till is also very good because you don't have a high risk of it blowing mm. because the mm. winds out here get really bad gotcha so that's that's another side to it where uh it's it's beneficial for us because we don't want you know any of our soils nutrients flowing away right yeah well i mean it makes sense so well why would someone use conventional versus no-till like why would someone not no-till it just depends on, you know, your farming practices and what you're doing. For us, uh, I'm starting to see the need where if we no-till, we don't have a high risk of our ground flowing. Like I think last year, maybe two years ago, I plowed and planted a wheat crop. We didn't get the moisture for the wheat to come up, so our uh, ground flew really bad. And so in a case scenario where you have high winds and everything like that, if you've got the moisture to get a crop up, it's great to plow and do everything like that until the soil but in another aspect where you're just no-tilling and only disturbing what little bit of the soil you can uh it really does make a difference in yield and everything like that and like i say it's something i'm trying to get you know brought into trying where we are on a minimum till basis very cool well i 
I'm I'm row crop illiterate. We have never done row crops. It's just not. We just don't live on ground where it's suited for that. We and I we we grow. We can grow cattle. We can grow sheep. We can grow goats. That's about it. We it's just yeah. we're in the Ozarks. It's too rocky, too hilly. We just don't have that. So uh, I I'm always intrigued to when I talk to row crop farmers because it like I'm able to broaden my horizons and maybe learn. Even though there's I mean so much more for me to ever learn about it. Just being able to pick someone's brain about it and ask the type of questions that you know just make me want to know about it. Yeah. No. It's it's fully understandable, and uh, we we used to grow corn back in shucks. I'm wanting to say mid '80s, something like that. We used to grow corn, but we therefore have moved away from it. The farm has, uh, you know, back in the day, my uh, grandpa used to be the uh, manager up here at the Texan Wheat Growers. So wherever my dad was a kid, they have we have a lot of farm ground, and. Uh, back in the day you could say that we were big time farmers because we had land scattered in Sherman County, Texas County and some in Cimarron County. Mm-hmm. So and from what my dad tells me is it's we we used to have a lot of ground and then you know things happen and uh we don't have that uh anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean things obviously things change um and uh, but you guys are you're doing what you can to to keep it going yeah. in in your way. So and you mentioned, you said this, obviously, at the beginning, you you were 16 years old. Yeah. And that's, to, to me, talking to you on the phone and, and talking to you here, I don't feel like you're 16. I feel like you have really, and you've got what it takes, and I think that's what it takes to be a successful farmer, is you have... You have that drive, you have that want, you have that maturity, and uh, where does that come from? Why? I mean, why do why do you seem so grown up? I guess is the is the without without being around the bush here. Well, it's you know it's always been my blood. Whenever I was real little, you know, I'd love the farm and everything like that. Go with dad, do whatever, and you know it just started to grow with me and slowly you know mature with me. And it's where I want to make a difference and, you know, in the world and, you know, maybe in my life to, you know, see what I can do with agriculture and see what I can do to become a successful farmer and be able to run equipment and do all this kinds of stuff because I'm already doing it. I've been doing it since, you know, I was maybe 11 or 12. And so then I started slowly going and helping other people and things like that. And it's always, you know, what I tell most people, it's in my blood. It's what I love to do. You know, I also tell them I'm not, I'm not normal by no means. I was kicked in the head by a horse whenever I was four. And I feel like since then, it just, I, I feel like it's changed things to the person who I am. And I'm not complaining about it by no means. Uh, I'm just glad to be able to do what I love to do. Tell me about that. Do you, do you remember that happening, the being kicked in the head by a horse? Uh, I remember some of it, but not a lot of it. It was late at night. I think it was the night before Thanksgiving. Uh and some people that are local probably know what happened. Uh, I walked up behind the horse. It was late at night, and I spooked the horse. We were changing trailers, and I spooked the horse, and it went and kicked me in the head. So they ended up uh, airlifting me to Lubbock, Texas, to that hospital, which is, I'm going to say, three, maybe four hours south of uh, Texoma. So I was in there for, I don't know, very many days. You know, I 
I can't remember all what was wrong with me. I think I had a, I had a concussion, of course. A left fracture, I think a fracture on my left side of my head, I think. I can't remember. Don't hold me against that. But like I say, uh, it's not something, I mean, I remember bits and pieces of it, but not a lot. Like uh, they talked about how they put me in a helicopter and airlifted me down there. And uh, my dad told me, he said, yeah, he said, after it happened, he said, I went and picked you up. And he said, uh, I was trying to get a hold of an ambulance. He said, when he went to screaming, he said, I knew you were all right. So, you know, that was a plus there. Like say, I say, I mean, I remember bits and pieces of it, but not a lot. Hmm, man, that's, man, it's terrifying. So how long did it take you? Do you, do you know how long it took you to recover and not uh, how very, long were you in the hospital? Not very long. I think I was in the hospital for just a few days, but not very long, um, like I say, it wasn't really nothing, you know, it was a big deal, but the doctor said that we got real lucky there. If the horse would have had horseshoes, it probably would have ended up killing me, but luckily Ooh, that horse. geez, yeah. Yeah, luckily that horse did not have horseshoes, so that was a plus. Uh, you don't, you probably don't, probably real careful when you walk behind a horse from now on, well, aren't you? Well, yeah, well, we still have horses, but we don't use them like what we used to. We've, right. Well, we've moved into four-wheelers and stuff like that because... You know, there's there's pros and cons to it. There really is. With a four wheeler, you can let it on the back of your pickup, and you're not having to give it hay or water. It can be <laughs> there. It can be there all night, and you don't have to worry about it. With a horse, where it's needing hay and water all the time, and so if you, I feel like four wheelers, there's a big benefit to them. Now, up in the rockier, you know, up in places sure. where it's more rockier, I see. Gotta have them. Yeah. 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 You have to have the horses. But out here in the plains, we're more beneficial from a four-wheeler or in a ranger, to say the least, because they fit our need. And uh, if it snows, you know, whatever, you can just go right on through it. You know, if you had a snowstorm and you were gathering cattle or whatever, you might go through two or three horses in a day. Right. Well, my dad would always say we, somebody asked him one time, because we used to use exclusively horses, probably more so when I was a kid or before I was even around than now. Uh, but he used to tell someone that he could have an entire herd rounded up in the pens and started working them before he could ever even get a horse saddled. So, I mean, uh, there's, yeah. and again, we aren't in the mountains of Colorado or uh, Wyoming or anything like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the hills of Missouri, which you can pretty easily nav- navigate with a four wheeler. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, obviously horses still have their place but uh there there are some benefits to four-wheelers too yeah well like i say they're you know they're you know they they might not be as safer but man they sure are handy because you can you can load rebar posts on them or whatever and go build hot wire fence or whatever with them and right. check check pivots or whatever and it's i'm i'm glad we have them because i don't know what we do without them because they're getting used a lot right yeah so tell me kind of what we're talking about too and with you is how the lockdowns how coronavirus how everything has affected you as a student but also as as a farm kid i know that being a farm kid kind of insulates you from and actually gives you opportunities to be home and help out more which i'm sure you obviously talking to you you love that so I mean, what's it looked like? What's it looked like for you as a as a sixteen year old kid in Texoma, Oklahoma? Well, so back in the spring, back in March, it was you know 
four, you know, I'm wanting to say the 14th. We were in Oklahoma City at a stock show, OIE, uh, Big Youth Expo. We were down there, and I had showed pigs, I believe, on the 10th, maybe 11th. Me and my dad came home on the 15th, and then he was going to go back and pick up goats and bring them back home. Well, they had already shut everything. Like they, you know, they were starting to debate on if, excuse me, if they were still going to have the show or not. And the goats were supposed to show, I think, on the 16th, 17th of March. And so the 15th of March, they finally just went ahead and called it because, you know, coronavirus and everything like that. So came back home. I was already at home, but we uh, were on uh, spring break. And they told us we weren't going to go back to school for three weeks. Well, three weeks go by. We were going to go back to school. Well, this date then had it where we weren't going to go back excuse me, give a period for the rest of the year. We we're just going to do it all online, which was great because, you know, really nobody had, nobody had an idea of what was going to happen or what, what they were going to do. So it, we only had to do one lesson a week for class. I've heard, you know, other people talking like they had to do multiple lessons a week per class, where with us, they only assigned us one lesson per week for class. So it was easy, you know, you wake up on a Monday morning, get that done, and then you're off working for the rest of the week or whatever. And so really, you know, it it has affected the world some because, you know, it drove prices down, cattle prices. Man, it really took a toll. Uh, the only benefit from it was diesel went down there to where it was maybe $1.25 a gallon, and it got to the point where it was basically a dollar, you know, for farm diesel. It was real cheap. So we went and bought a whole bunch of farm diesel because it was so cheap and we needed some, you know, I think that was one of the benefits from it, but man, you know, for, you know, a farmer aspect, but for the guys that was in the oil field, they really took yeah. a toll on that. It, I mean, it was bad for them. It's great for us, but whenever it happens to them, they lose their jobs and they go bankrupt. Right. And, you know, and I think somebody, what a lot of people maybe who don't have a whole wide lens view of everything, you know, they just see cheap, uh, cheap gas, cheap diesel prices. And that sounds great because it's, it's less money to fill up your car and to go with places you got to go. But they don't realize is there's an entire industry that is built around those prices. And when they go so low, I mean, there's, like you said, there's people losing their jobs and, you know, they have kids and family and everything else. And just like, just like everyone else does. And, uh, it affects real people. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I feel bad for the people that it really did affect, but you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But now things started getting better there at the end of, end of July, I think maybe before where prices slowly started to rise back up, oil was up and, you know, it was really good for those oil and gas field workers. But, you know, as of right now, they don't even know if we will go back to school after Christmas break. They know we'll probably go back to school after Thanksgiving break here in about two weeks, but they don't know if we'll go back after Christmas break. I've so are you, the call. are you in school now? Yes. Is, is, yes. Are you in person school now? Yes, we're in person school. We've started school back in August, have been in person and they are, you know, they don't know if we'll go back after Christmas break or not. Thanksgiving, they, they think we'll come back, but they don't know for sure. There's some of the colleges around here that they aren't, that they're, they just told their kids that they're going online, you know, instead of having to risk it. 
So what's it look like in your area? I know, so my kids have been, the week we're recording this is, uh, the today is November 12th, so this entire week my kids have been off of school because such of an influx of, of cases within the school system. And for us, our internet is so bad that we, I mean, it's, I shouldn't say it's so bad, but it's, it, it's better than it used to be, but it, it can equip all of us having those zoom meetings and whatever else that the school requires. So, uh, it's, it's really been really difficult. So what's it like for you as far as from, a your, your, your internet? Uh, it's not bad. We actually live in town. We don't live on the farm oh, okay. uh, here, here about, I'm wanting to say maybe it was eight years ago. We decided to move into town because we needed a bigger house because it was just getting too big for the five of us. So we needed something bigger uh, on what could acquire our needs. The house we were in before, we were out there at the farm and it had two bedrooms and one bath and that really was not working out. So we we had to get into a different house so that way it could benefit from us. So we, we, we moved to town. And our Wi-Fi, you know, it's not bad. It's handling it this just fine. But they, uh, PTCI, the local company where we get our Wi-Fi from, is running fiber optic cable and everything like that. So our Wi-Fi should improve some. It's going to make it a lot faster than what it is now. Yeah, well, I mean, for us, and I know lots of people living in rural America, that's a huge issue is the lack of, of availability of high speed internet. And uh, we didn't, we, we didn't really realize it until this year when, how bad we really needed it. And who knows if the world will ever go back to normal. And we're finding that it's much, much, much bigger problem than we, than it was this time last year, for sure. Yes. Oh, you are right. There, you know, a lot of things have changed compared from where we are this year to last year. Because last year, you know, look at it last year. We weren't wearing masks or anything like that. Everything was going pretty smooth. And then right start the first of the year, wrench got thrown in everything. And that's when things just started to slowly change. And it's changed a bunch. You know, we have to wear masks at school and stuff like that. And if for a guy like me that wears glasses and stuff like that, you, know, you can't breathe out of them and it fogs up your glasses. That's yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I don't have to wear them working on the farm. It's a miracle because most of the time you can see now if you're going off the equipment and stuff like that, the neck gaiters, man, they work great for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I've gotten to where I wear one too, wear one of those. I know they'll come in handy like this winter when uh, we start feeding some hay and, you know, I'm cutting hay bales and getting, uh, keep from getting the hay dust in my face. You know, that's going to be, uh, that's going to, I found out those are going to be, those are really nice. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's benefits to them but you know i know people in town that you know they it'll only be one of them in the car and they're they're wearing a mask and i'm not trying to make fun of them or anything by no means but if it's just you by yourself what's the cause of you know what's the probability of you getting the virus i'm scared of it in a way but you know people talk about walking down the country again well if you lock down the country again it's not the virus is not going to run its course if we leave everything open the virus will run its course and it will be done and over with. If we lock it down, it's just going to drag it out that much longer. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 it's, that's a hard, it's a hard thing to, to, for a lot of people, because so many people have such uh, strong opinions on each side of it. And um, it's tough to, to get, it's, it's, it's tough to get the other, the other side of your argument for people to understand that. So are, let me ask you this. Are you, are you an FFA uh, at school? Yes, I am. I am in FFA at school. What are you, uh, what's that looking like for you? I mean, it's, I know, well, see my son, my oldest son's, he's, uh, he's, he'll be 16 this year and it's, FFA has been a challenge. I mean, last year it wasn't, you know, almost a year ago, he was in Indianapolis at national convention and everything I, else. And I was too. Last year, I, uh, we go every three years and I went to national convention last year and everything like that and had a blast. And then, you know, we didn't even have our state FFA convention. And it was yeah. in May. They uh, canceled it right off the bat. Uh, you know, they were going to try and have it, but things just kept getting worse. And they said, you know, we can't do this. And so a lot of things got canceled, you know, back back in, you know, April, May. So, it, you know, I mean, it's definitely tough compared from what it was last year because, one thing I was looking forward to this year, you know, state convention, but I seriously doubt we have that. It's, it's, you know, and I don't think people are really, a lot of people aren't grasping what it's like for you. Cause it's not like you're going to be a, what are you, a junior in high school? Yes. A junior in high so school. So it's not like you're never going to be a junior in high school again. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you're never going to be a sophomore again. You're never going to be a senior. You know, these are the. Uh, that's what I don't know. Now, I'm not sure if it would even affect policy or affect anything uh, as far as letting events go on or not, but this is a one-time shot for you in your life. And it's, it's really, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to help to get people to realize unless they actually are living it, but there, there's never going to be these opportunities for you again. And that is, that's, that, that's tough. And I, I think we need to be thinking more about the things that are the, you, people like you, kids like you are, are missing out on because it's, these are life, these are like uh, coming of age events. They're, they're imp- so important for social development. Yeah. Well, and I'd love, you know, if I get to go this year, I'd, I'd absolutely enjoy it. But man, my senior year, I'd love I'd love to be able, I, I hope by the time my senior year rolls around, I'm able to go to state convention for one last time. If I don't, you know, I didn't get to go last year. And like I say, it's an, it's an if, you know, it's a maybe if I get to go or not this year, depending on if they decide to leave it shut down or if they will open it up. I have no idea what they'll do there. Yeah, it's hard, you know, and then again, there we go. There's the unknown. You just don't, we don't know what's going to happen, so we can't, we can't even really plan for it. And um, it's it's a tough thing. You know, what's it been like for your parents? Uh, I mean, you say, how many brother, How many of you are there, kids? Uh, there is three of us. I have a twin sister and a younger brother. My mom, she's actually a nurse. Uh, mm, she's mm-hmm. a certified RN nurse. And she's driving, you know, an hour away, you know, two hours, 100 miles for work. And she's only working three, maybe four days a week. Uh, mostly three days a week, but it's usually spread out where she's not working back to back to back. So, you know, she, she's a nurse down there at the hospital in Amarillo, Texas. And so, 
things have been different for her down there. Uh, like I say, I never really do ask her because I'm more worried about, you know, what's going on with the farm and trying to make sure everything's running smoothly there. But uh, I don't know what it's like down there at any hospitals or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, my wife's a nurse too, and it's 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 a, it's a hard thing to to really like grasp what's going on in in the hospital versus what's in the community, and you know, it's it's whatever. No matter what your opinions about it, no matter anything like that, the fact that it's changing people's lives and making people's lives, especially students' lives, more difficult is is undeniable. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. What's your plans after this year? I mean, you and I talked before and you're trying to figure out if you're going to go to college or if you're just going to stay and work the farm. What's your well, plans after? Well, there's a good possibility. You know, there's a probability I am going to end up going to college. I just don't know what I'm going to do in the way of college. Uh, I'd love to take all my classes online, but uh, I got offered an internship. I've been helping a guy for the past two years with wheat and corn harvest. Uh and, you know, real good guy, you know, don't come, you know, nothing bad about him to say, but I got offered a internship at Hansford Feeders over by Group of Texas. And uh, so that's like 35 miles away. And uh, so I got offered that here last week and they offered it to me uh, maybe some of the spring and throughout next summer. So I'm going to probably go intern with Hansford Feeders. I'm really excited about because I need to expand you know expand my horizons and go farm with a different outfit and see you know what they're see what they're doing everything like that and so that's something i am really looking forward to come my senior year um i only have to take two classes you know two classes i've got to take as a senior three including my ag mechanics class that i will be taking so i'll be able to get entered in the uh, work program and be able to leave school at noon and go to work very cool so is that a feedlot that you're going to work for this summer? Yes. Yes. It's a feedlot, but I'm going to be on the, the farming side oh, the of farming it. Farming side of it. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm going to be on the farming side of it, not the cattle side. Okay. So that's something I am looking forward to. It's something new and I'm going to definitely give it a shot. Yeah. Feedlot is, that's always interesting to me because again, that's not uh, on a large scale. That's not something we, we, especially finishing lots. I mean, there's some backgrounding lots and that sort of thing here, but finishing lots are not something that I've had the privilege of experiencing much. And uh, even though you're on the farming side of it, that's a, it's just another aspect, you know, another kind of notch in your belt that you can have going on, have that experience going forward. And that's, uh, you'll find that that's really valuable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there's feed yards around here. You know, there's uh, there's one south of Texas, about 13 miles away. There's there's one down there owned uh, by an outfit. And like I say, feed yards are all around. And man, if you want to get cattle fattened up for butcher or whatever, it's a great place to take them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've had, you know, probably one of the greatest experiences ever growing up around uh, people that have taught me multiple things and grown up around an amazing community of people who actually support what I want to do. When it comes to the students there, most of them really don't understand what I do. Mm-hmm. They think it's all some big joke. They think, you know, I can just take off and do whatever and not have to worry about it when the truth is I need to worry about the farm because I got to make sure everything's taken care of because if I fail, you know, if, if the farming side fails, I fail. We don't make any money. 
So right. it's it's very important to me to see that the farming uh, side of it uh, and the cattle side does what it's supposed to and, you know, make sure I can do whatever it takes to make sure we are going to make money instead of losing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, I know, I know the feeling of some people like almost, it's almost like you're a novelty to people when you are in farming and especially the level you guys do. I mean, that couldn't be the further from the truth. I mean, it's, it's something that, it's a it's a make or break type deal and people just don't understand that unless they live that and it you're you I hope you understand you're fortunate to have the support that you do because that is really key going forward in your life yeah oh yeah and you know it's you know it's also amazing to me you know one thing that's been fascinated about it is is being able to plant a crop and watch it grow you know see it grow see it progress and then also make adjustments to it during the growing season to make sure that it does you know makes even more than what it needs to make uh come time to harvest or whatever right yeah no absolutely well go ahead go ahead and, and, you know, one thing that I do is quite a bit is I try and walk my fields and, you know, I mm-hmm. see, you know, what, what, what I can do, you know, if I start seeing weeds, you know, keep an eye out for that. So it comes time to get them sprayed to figure out what the right chemical to get sprayed down to make sure to kill those weeds, set away the moisture or whatever that's in that weed goes back into the plant instead of the weeds taking it away. One thing, one weed that we fight the most is bindweed. That's a weed that we've had for the longest time and it's, it's a battle to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, again, such a intricacy of what you do that, you know, people talk about weeds and uh, it's probably like a joke to some people, but I mean, that's real deal eaten into your profit and something you have to take care of. And uh, people need to, people just don't, like I said, don't understand that. Yeah, no. And, you know, uh, it's something that I try and, you know, understand the most because I also have a fer- you know, a fertilizer guy come out and he walks the fields with me whenever it comes time to spray and we figure out, hey, this is what we need to spray, this is how much of it. Uh, so that way we can try and get the weeds killed off so that way we can, our fields are cleaner and it, uh, our yields are up there. Yeah, right course well Wyatt I I really appreciate your time here tonight man it's really cool that you and I got to sit on here and have this conversation uh if people want to find you online uh, what's the best place they can do that at uh they can find me on Twitter uh, Instagram and YouTube I have a YouTube channel Oklahoma Farming everything that I've got is Oklahoma Farming and uh, I'm trying to do more on YouTube especially uh because I've started to see a growth and subscribers which i really like that's what i've been trying to do for the past three years now since i started it so that way i can maybe try and get the word out about agriculture and uh maybe have it where people have a little bit of a better understanding about what we're doing because a lot of you know, a lot of what people think we're doing is completely bad when really what we're doing is actually good and it's helping us make sure people are being fed and everything like that so what I like about YouTube is there's no filter, there's no getting the right angle on things like you would for like Instagram or whatever, uh, and it's not like a still shot. I mean, when you're doing YouTube, when you're doing video, it's an it's a actual 
real life depiction of what's going on, then there's no hiding from it. And it, you are actually showing the real yeah. stuff that's going on. And I think people crave that. And I, I've been very terrible about doing video of any sort. Yeah, I, I, video is such a, it's just such an important thing to get people to get the real image of, of what's actually going on because there's no hiding from it. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing the YouTube thing because. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. And, you know, uh, I've seen, you know, people do really good on there and I'm hoping to the amount of people I have watching, I'd love to get it up there where I've got, you know, a lot of people, but I've just got to take my time and do what I can because for most of what I've been uploading is photo slideshows, but I'm starting to get some stuff now where I can actually do videos and I think they will turn out good because one thing about me is that I got to record a video and it's like, I feel like it's not going to turn out. So I, I end up having a lot of pictures on what I'm doing. So I just throw that in together as a photo slideshow and go from there. But I am starting to make more videos and everything like that. Just that way the general public has a understanding on what we are doing and what it's like. Wyatt, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, good, good luck with everything. Uh, let's keep in touch. I really had fun talking to you tonight. Yes. It was a, it was a really cool thing to to get on here and talk to you about this. Yes. All right. Thank you. You have a good night. You too. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.